Hey guys, I just wanted to do a quick show intro about today's guests. What's really cool about this episode and why I was excited to have her on is uh, towards the end, she talks about some dessert recipes and how to make them better. I won't spoil it now, but it goes along with our no-go list and our health transformation course, getting rid of some of those flours and sugars. So how can you make brownies and lemon curd and all those different things and still make them taste good? Listen to the end of the episode and you'll find out. The Fire Within Podcast. You need a sustainable plan the right mindset, and the knowledge and inspiration to stoke the fire within. Just like the Phoenix, you can burn your old habits, never turn back, and emerge completely anew. There are no shortcuts. This is the Fire Within Podcast, where we talk about all things health, fitness, and nutrition related. I'm your host, Brandon, with my co-host, Joe. Hello. We have a really fun guest today. Her name is Lint Bowman. She's been featured at women's expos throughout the country, teaming with actress Deidre Hall to write and publish Deidre Hall's Kitchen Close-Up back in 2010, and Deidre Hall's How Does She Do It? 2012. In previous lives, she won national awards as a creative director for Silicon Valley Companies, was creative director at E&J Gallo Winery, advertising manager at Redken Laboratories, and freelance for agencies in San Jose, Los Angeles, and New York. She's also worked as an actress, makeup artist, screenwriter, illustrator, legal journalist, and television weather person. Lynn has three grown children, two absolutely perfect grandchildren, and is president of the Pescadero Foundation. She and her husband have a small farm on the coast of Northern California. So welcome, Lynn. Thank you. I'll also confess right off the top, because I think I should, that I was the worst weather person ever in the history of broadcasting, (laughs) just in case there's any question about that at all. So. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about uh, why you're on the show today. I'm out spreading the gospel of good health. And it's often not quite what you think. I'm old now. I'm 75. And I'm thrilled to be 75 because in my 40s, I found out that I was type 2 diabetic. And what they told you in those days was you should probably avoid sugar and don't eat too many carbs and keep your weight down. And that was as much information as you got. And so it took me a long time and a lot of searching to figure out what really mattered. And here I am today now looking around and I am stunned when I see the statistics, as I'm sure you are, that something like 85% of Americans have a chronic disease. And that chronic disease is entirely preventable. And the fix is not medical. The fix is food. Food is the medicine. So tell us a little bit about how you were able to use food as medicine to improve your situation. Maybe starting with, were you able to overcome type 2 diabetes? That's an interesting question. Overcome. What I've been able to do, Brandon, is stay within very, just barely diabetic range all these years. And so in a way, it's not reversing it, but it's managing The hope is that my internal organs look as fabulous as my external organs. The kind of awful thing about diabetes is that while you may not have any symptoms on the outside, it can be destroying your internal organs. Right. So the first you might know that you are diabetic is you have tingling in your hands or you're losing feeling in your feet or you have a heart attack or some other really major thing that's an indication that you are losing important function of these organs internally. I just made a decision early in my life, in my 40s, that 
I was going to do everything I had to do to stay healthy, stay on my feet, stay alive. I was the single mother of three little. So I was determined to do what I needed to do, which took me on this journey of figuring out what to do because the American Diabetes Association and your typical doctor really didn't know. They, the, the information was not particularly helpful. The role that animal fat plays in diabetes, yeah. which had been very, really not talked about because typically the way they wanted you to eat as a diabetic was to be eating meat and vegetables. And that was it. That was the prescription. So I went to this conference in 2019 with the plantricians who are, you may know of this group. It's a group mm-hmm. of MDs from all over the world. Guys like Dean Ornish and T. Colin Campbell, people who have been writing for decades about the role of food in health. And so something made me go to this conference, which is not a thing I do frequently. And it was expensive and it wasn't easy. And I had to watch PowerPoints all day from eight in the morning until eight o'clock at night, which is not fun. But wow, I watched data and more data and then more data from these folks all day long. And the big takeaway was, yeah, you have to watch your carbs. Mm-hmm. But what is the mechanism that really gives you this metabolic syndrome that you've all read about, most likely, it's animal fat in your cells. And so that was a big head slapper for me. And I had this book about half written and all my recipes and everything. And I went home and went, oh, man, I got to think this through. But I decided just to run an experiment on myself and I became vegan for six months. I had just had my blood work done. And so I knew what my starting point was. And for six months, I didn't even touch an animal product, nothing, no dairy, uh, no eggs, no meat, no fish, nothing animal wise. And then when my tests came back at the end of that six months, my blood work, lo and behold, I had dropped three points in my hemoglobin A1C, which if you don't know what that is, it's your average blood glucose reading over time. My physician said to me, and that just doesn't happen in people your age. Just doesn't happen. So I knew I was onto something. You're advocating for basically a a vegan diet? Not exactly. If you want to eat fish, there's an enormous amount of research to say that the oily fish, mackerel, salmon are very good for you, omega-6s, omega-3s, that kind of thing. And so you might want to include some of that in your diet. Eggs are good food. And that's another discussion. So most vegans say no, no animal products whatsoever, no eggs. I'm someone who thinks that eggs have a role for many of us, good protein, good fat. But the difference, Brandon, is you need to know where that egg came from. You need to know the name of that chicken. (laughs) It's funny you say that. There's a company, I think it's Vital Farms, and they have in their egg, they have a pasture-raised organic, which is all my wife's eating right now. We're we're having a baby. And because of the nausea, there's three things she can eat, eggs, avocado, and fruit. 
And because there you go, she's got it all. Yeah. But because eggs are one of the few things that she can eat, I want to make sure it's the highest quality possible. And those who don't know, free range does not mean grass fed or anything like that. It just means it's a loophole in legislation where as long as they have a five minute window to get out once in a while. It's marketing. Um, yeah. so, it's so, like a prisoner who gets yard time. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So, so it should be organic pasture Now I would push back on the animal fat thing, but I, I welcome all opinions. And here's why, just like you're talking about with the eggs, if it is a conventional raised animal, meaning wheat grain corn that's got glyphosate, soy feed. I'm with feed. you on yeah. that. When I was heading up the blood work department at Lifetime, we used to do panels and dietitians would read them. One of the things I learned from seeing these again and again is uh, conventional chicken would create a C-reactive protein marker that was 11 times higher than organic. It's the worst meat you yep. can eat. Yeah. And then beef, yeah. it was eight times higher for conventional right. beef versus grass right. fed. So right. if you're eating conventional animals, then I would hundred uh, percent agree with you. I do think that animal fat in that sense right. could be a very detrimental, but if it's proper, I think there's a large population that does okay with that. Hey, Fire Within Nation, has this ever happened to you? You go online to find a quick recipe for mashed potatoes, but first you have to hear about Grandfather's Farm in 1929. When I was a boy. <laughs> the first time you had a potato, and like six and a half chapters later, you get to the ingredient list. Tasted like dirt. Drives me nuts. So me and Joe have worked to solve that issue for you. If you head to firewithinnf.com and check out the recipe section, healthy recipes, following the Fire Within way. And it's just the recipe, no blog, you're welcome. You'll find recipes like steak chimichurri. There's a bananas foster smoothie recipe. There's a sourdough French toast. Lots of healthy things. Make your own ranch dip and, and tons more. So head to firewithinnf.com. Check out the recipe section and enjoy. The problem is the way most people are really eating now is they're driving through, Brandon. They're eating crap three meals a day. And then they're eating crap in front of the TV at night. So anything that you eat that's basically out of a bag or a box is problematic. Yeah. You need to eat real food. And you're going to be a parent. How do I get my kid to eat vegetables? And it's really simple. What a kid cooks, a kid will eat. What a kid grows, a kid will eat. So it's a culture that we need to bring back that involves our children in our food ways from the dirt to the plate. They need to really have a sense for where that food is coming from and what it is. I think there's a lot of good nuggets there. What an interesting perspective on just that general cultural awareness with the kids of having them grow the food. Because if they're that invested in it, sometimes it helps. I know it's often recommended for picky eaters if they participate in making the meal, but that's taking it to the whole next level. Hey, they actually started as a seed, put it in the ground, watched it grow, nurtured it, and, and it becomes, uh, I think, uh, a, almost a part of them at that point, and it's, it would be difficult for them not to. And it can and, still happen that they hate it, but I think there's- They're a not gonna hate it. If it's a beautiful color and it tastes good, and then this brings up a whole other subject, Brandon, which is the industry, the big food industry that makes food craveable. Yeah. Thanks to scientists who jo whose job is to figure out how do we make it more addictive? How do we give it the That's right mouthfeel? And the yeah. reason Cheetos melt in your mouth is because then the body goes, oh, wait, I didn't get any nutrients. And the answer is so simple, really. If you are eating nutrient-dense food only, if you limit yourself 
to nutrient-dense, good, whole food, it's very hard to eat too much of it. The problem with most weight gain is these addictive, packaged, processed foods, grains and sugars. And if you're eating vegetables and pasture-raised meats and whole fruit, you, you can't eat too much of it. It's really almost impossible. I think a lot of Americans have this notion that, yeah, I know I should eat better, but health food tastes bad. And I, this is an area where I bet you and Brandon really agree. And I've really been excited to talk to you about your book because I bet you, I know I just cooked a recipe off of Brandon's site yesterday and it was amazing. Had the Greek salad last night for dinner. Fantastic. But your book that I've been waiting to ask you about is called Brownies for Breakfast. Yes, sir. (laughs) A cookbook for diabetics and people who love them. And I don't want granny eating one thing and junior eating one thing and dad eating another. I want you all at the table munching down donuts, brownies, pancakes, pies. You can make all those things that you think might get taken away. They're all fabulous if you know how to make them. And the recipes are all in my book, along with macaroni and cheese and baked salmon and all kinds of other things. The pictures are just beautiful, like the brownies and the soups and the pancakes you. and stuff. What kind of uh, ingredient swap out do you have so that you can prepare these delicious looking things and have them look like brownies and taste like brownies? I am so glad you asked. It, it's a miracle. One of my secrets, which is not going to be a secret at all once I've said this, is the combination of pumpkin and nut butter. What pumpkin does is it's a great substitute for flour and oil, but it's a vegetable and it's full of vitamin A and all this other great stuff. And it's got no fat in it, by the way. But I combine that in the brownies, it's pumpkin and nut butter. And you can use a couple of different kinds of nut butter and then cocoa. And then I sweeten things with chicory root or monk fruit. And I've got a whole section in the book about these sweeteners and how to find them and buy them and so on. But the news is that these are not the, quote, artificial sweeteners of 10, 20 years ago. These are good, whole products that make a great sweet. They don't give you a a blood sugar spike. They're not some chemical that was created with multisyllabic words that you just can't even imagine. They're real food. People will have no idea that there's anything different about this, except it's a little richer. It's maybe a little yummier. And you're eating a a meal. You're eating good whole food. I'm not a giant fan of baked goods, which is good because the way that they're traditionally prepared are bad for you. But occasionally I want one as a celebration or a treat. So I'm always on the lookout for things that are healthy versions of things that I like that avoid all of the the pitfalls or the stuff that's bad for you. You've come to exactly the right place because yeah, that's what we're talking about is just, you can make virtually any uh, traditional dessert that you can imagine, whether it's pumpkin pie or apple pie or berry cobbler or anything, all those things you can make with the healthy stuff. And what you find is it's really, you get more flavor. When you get the sugar and the flour out of something, they tend to dull fruit flavors. Mm. I'm always wanting to encourage people to expand their horizons a little bit. For example, rhubarb is something in, you're in the South and 
People in the South particularly love rhubarb, but it's literally free. It grows like a weed out in your yard. You don't have to do a thing to it. Comes back every spring. You should snip off the little flowers on top, chop it up, and you throw it in a pan for not long, a few minutes, and throw some of the sugar substitutes that I suggest in with it. And you have this amazing goop that you can make a cobbler or a pie or just eat it straight or put it on an ice creamy kind of thing. I'll tell you how to do, there's a a recipe in the book for very good gelato, which when you get that craving seven o'clock at night, you think, oh, I really want something sweet and cold and gooey. You can whip this puppy up, just grab some berries out of your freezer and some sweetener. And you not only have a fantastic gelato, but it's good for you. Yeah, I do like rhubarb. When I was growing up, my grandma had some growing back a little bit somewhere on her property. She had some land. That's what Michigan. grandmas did. Yes, they had rhubarb. Like, if we were like, we want a snack, she's like, you know where the rhubarb is. Just yeah, <laughs> so I'm bringing it back. So tell us where we can, where we people can get your book. They can get it on Amazon. It's Brownies for Breakfast, a cookbook for diabetics and the people who love them. My name again is Lynn, L-Y-N-E. Last name Bowman, B-O-W-M-A-N. I have an author name, and you can also find me under Lynn Parmiter Bowman, P-A-R-M-I-T-E-R. So I'm on Instagram and Facebook, and I have a website, of course, um, lynnbowman.com. And if you go on that website, you can sign up on my list, and I will not annoy you, I promise, But I tend to send out a recipe when I've come up with something really great. I'll send it out to anybody on my list. So uh, I encourage you to to go on my website and sign up on that list. uh, And I'll get in touch with you that way. Also have a place on my website where I welcome your questions. If you have an issue about food, if you are looking for a recipe, whatever, get in touch with me on the contact section of my website. And I'm happy to respond. And I love to get your pictures when you make the recipes. That really makes my life worth living. I love it. I love to see your pear upside down cake or your brownies or or your salmon or your salad or whatever it is from the book. It's fun to see how people actually make it at home. That's what I want. I want you making it at home. Brownies from grandma. Good stuff. We appreciate you coming on the show today. And I'd Uh, say if you haven't yet and you're on the fence, you're like, oh, you can't make good tasting food from healthier products. Go to lynnbowman.com. That's two N's and an E, bowman.com. Scroll to the bottom. There's a gallery of photos. And it's I know it's a little bit near dinner time for me, but my stomach started growling when I started flipping through them not too long ago. So, man, it looks really fantastic. I hope you do. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you got a lot of value out of today's episode. If you did, go check us out at firewithinnf.com and sign up for Refuel, a weekly email with recipes, videos, and tips to stoke the fire within. Also, you can join the Fire Within community by being added to our Facebook group. And don't forget to follow us on social media.